All right. Welcome to another episode of Small Business Chronicles. And this is the podcast where we dive deep into the journeys, challenges, successes of all different businesses, of all different uh, industries. So um, it's it's the perfect podcast for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and it's kind of become the Swiss Army knife in the business space. So um, today I'm actually thrilled uh, to have a very special guest because um, he comes from the real estate world like myself. So um, we are actually sitting down to have a conversation with Matias Taroch. He is a visionary in the architectural field, um, and he um, he really focuses on practical investment minded, but still um, you know unique um, real estate development. So um, his firm uh, is actually based out of Miami, um, and he established MIK Architecture um, uh, what in twenty twenty. Um, so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's dive right into it. Uh, how, how are you this morning? Very good. Thank you for having me. It's, it's going to be exciting. I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I say morning, really. Uh, you're, you're tuning in because you're visiting family. You're from uh, you're, you're uh, located in Chile right now. Yeah, right now it's uh, one. It's afternoon already past afternoon. Past Af- afternoon. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So I'll, we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to correct uh, our, our our language there. What well, you? I was about to say you 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 look like a great morning person, but that that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not really, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, yeah. I you know I get the benefit of of getting to talk uh, with all of our guests beforehand and do research and everything like that. Um, uh, but I, 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 you know, our listeners don't. So, so let's jump in and kind of tell us your story. You know, what what started you in the world of architecture uh, and led you to 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 uh, create uh, the company that you're at right now? Well, architecture has been in my mind since I think I can remember. Um, uh, my my parents always told me that I was crazy with Lego blocks. And then after that drawings and I, instead of drawing cars or, or I don't know, soccer people or, uh, you know, uh, matches and, and I I don't know what the kids draw today, but I was drawing homes and sometimes I even draw draw like small sections of homes. So I one floor, second floor, and I played like with people living in there. So since I remember, I've always been in that design world and architecture was on top of it. Um, once I got there, I never looked back, you know, it's, it was, uh, I, I studied back in Chile. Um, that's my hometown. Um, it's, it's Concepcion actually, which is further South. Uh, and, but I was always have this link with Miami, uh, because I grew up also there. I, I was like until I think seven or eight years old in Miami. Then I went back to Chile and then I studied, had my bachelor's there and, and then I came back for X, Y, Z opportunity that I took and, and went and, you know, started here in Miami with, uh, after getting my Florida license and U.S. license, I uh, started the, the firm. But architecture has always been there. So, so you, your family actually has, um, you know, some experience within uh, um, the real estate space with investments. Um, so, um, you know, um, tell us a little bit about that. Did you, did you initially, um, you know, kind of support some of those, some of those, um, you know, ventures and kind of learn the investment side of things before you actually founded MIK Architecture? Uh, 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. So the reason I, I had this opportunity to go back to Miami was to take care of uh, some real estate business for my family because I had the architecture background. I was the, which was, I'm the only one in my family. Um, so it was, you know, you know, one decision only who is going to go. Okay. It's me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went there, uh, taking care of that real estate license. And while I was working on multiple, you know, businesses, smaller, smaller projects, uh, I realized how important it was to have a good architect that understood development and investors and the return and not so much the design and only focusing on getting codes done and permitting. It, I realized that you had to do a mix. So that's why I was very motivated to, to you know, get my registration as an architect in Florida. And while I was doing that, we still kept growing with this development projects. So I got out of, uh, I, I managed to finally found um, MIK Architecture and uh, I already had my own portfolio, my family's portfolio as as clients, you could say, because they were, we were waiting for me to get to be able to sign them so we could um, also move forward with that. Always with, with another architect, a senior architect uh, helping us, mm -hmm. but uh, it was, it's that background that we got there and that knowledge from the real estate business and investors and, and uh, return on investment, especially that helped me also uh, make what I'm today, which is a well, firm you that know, specializes. I, I, Sorry, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't want to steal your thunder there. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of going to jump in there and, you know, that's the thing that I was uh, going to say so unique because that background really allows you to be profit-minded, be investment-minded, right? We were kind of joking uh, before we started the show that, you know, you can't have, uh, you know, some people think of architects uh, and they think of, you know, these um, iconic uh, magnum opus style, um, you know, creations that uh, where cost is, is not, is never in question. It's all about, yeah. you know, making the best beautiful product. but. You know, your approach is really uh, amazing to me because, um, yes, you design uh, modern and uh, spaces, beautiful spaces, but the functionality and, uh, you know, more importantly, more interesting to me, the return on investment and the investment, you know, the, the investor side of it um, is really a focus of yours because of your background. That's absolutely right. And, and yeah, so today our architecture firm is specialized on serving that investor and developer that wants to to do and build a project for investment, of course. And and we're focusing there on, and that has allowed us to ask and build our systems around that that idea. So we get better and better to solve that, you know, the pain points that any investor would have. And that sometimes for architects, I mean, not sometimes, there, I still haven't found any school of architecture that teaches you business unless how to how to resolve pain points from investors. Um, so, it's, so, so it's more focused on the design aspect and the and the, the yeah, engineering absolutely. side of it than the than the business side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If there is any school there that is different, please let me know. I'm <laughs> willing to go and say some words too. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, maybe um, you should start a school. Who knows what's next for you? You know, <laughs> actually, that hadn't crossed my mind. So, 
good point. <laughs> there, there you go. Hey, you know, we'll we'll have this for posterity, and in, in, in a yeah. few years, if you create one, you can look back at this episode. It'll be fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that's well, right. Um, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, if you're okay with, I want to, I want to ask, um, you know, some questions about getting started because you know, you, you get started, uh, you know, at a, at a unique time. Uh, in our economy. And you are, you know, so 2020, everything's shutting down. You're also in a hyper competitive market um, in Miami, Florida. You know, it's, a, you know, it's, um, you know, huge growth, um, huge opportunity in, in the architecture space. You know, what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome when you launched your business? Well, let's say uh, COVID was first. <laughs> uh, I launched first business on, yeah, first challenge for the first year because I launched it on January 2020, which we we didn't have any launch by then and about COVID. So the shutdown was, I think, March, the shutdown, um, hmm. March or April. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and the, the the biggest challenge was the no one the no one wanted no one knew what's, what was going to happen. So no one wanted to invest. No one wanted to you know pull the trigger on on any project. The projects that were going, yeah, we had to finish them. We had to see them to fruition. But it was pretty good in a way that it was myself at that time. Um, and I was able to have the time to build the systems um, that mo you know were the lay of the foundations of what we have today. And, uh, and to research a bunch of stuff of what's going to go on with the remote remote working and uh, cities were just changing to remote working because they had to at some point. Um, so the, I would say the biggest challenge in the first year was overcoming a new world. And it was also the biggest opportunity that I had uh, because all the other firms were, I don't know, they, they, they were just going because within the shutdown in Miami, one of the few offices that were allowed to go go to the office were architecture and engineering firms for some reason. So you guys were actually um, deemed essential, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, or I, I forget. It's like, yeah, essential. I, I know I, I had the same um, thing for the real estate sales side of it, you know, helping people get into homes, buy and sell. We were still one of the few that were out there working. Um, doesn't mean it looked the same though. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that you talked about it being a challenge and an opportunity because I think that that is true uh, for a lot of businesses, but in particular, um, I could see, you know, I could see the advantage of building systems in uh, a new world, as you, as you, as you, uh, you know, put it, uh, versus having to break them down and rebuild. Um, you know, I, I imagine other firms probably had, um, you know, different challenges um, because they were so ingrained in doing things in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have wanted to be in that position. Uh, you, you never know because. You never know what system to break to rebuild. It's it's harder, you know, to understand. And of course, the machine catches you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, tell tell me a little bit more about um, you know, because because you know, architecture is part part artist, uh, part business, you know, part design, part investment. Uh, so you know, in, in your work, and specifically, is known for combining that modern design with uh, the functionality uh, of the space. So um, can you can you dive into, you know, kind of how you approach your creative process and what sets MIK uh, apart 
um, in as compared to you know a typical design process that people might have experienced? Yeah, sure. Um, we're talking about project process, right? Yeah, like the project itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I always say that the foundations is always the most important step in any construction, and the design phase, the foundations of research, and whenever. I hear like we had got this opportunity, this amazing lot. They want to we put in the offer, we get that offer accepted. We start with an inspection period that is also called like a soft uh, contract, which you can pull mm -hmm. out and there's no big, big repercussions, financial repercussions. So mm -hmm. during that period, we do a feasibility study. And this is not, you know, the research that the title insurance do or the lawyers will, will leave that to them we don't get into that but this is more about the sony code stuff the reality of the lot and the comparables so we mix them together on a, just a research-based uh task to understand what we can build what are the restrictions that there can be and or challenges that is going to cost more money and we put that into the pro forma we well we let the developer know that all of that and try to put in the, the numbers of things that might, for example, let's say there's a tree in the middle of the lot. Okay, first, can we move the tree? Second, okay, if we can move the tree, how much is gonna cost? Third, is that gonna be an issue or a risk time-wise? Like if someone comes and says, hey, I don't want you to move the tree, let's go to a hearing board. And that's another year, an additional year to the project. So now you're factoring also timing the project. And uh, we try to, what I'm trying to say is that on that research, we try to analyze all the risks involved in that project so that the, the developer can put a number in it, put the performer with the, with the, with the time frame, And, um, and if the developer doesn't have that, well, okay, we'll help you do the build and then do the performer. Um, and, and then you can, you know, analyze the return on investment. And if it has a good, good return of investment, like there's a range that we like to work on. Great. Let's move forward. If, and if it's a bit lower, okay, so uh, let's see what are the other pessimistic values in there if we, and see if we go negative, which we don't want to, right? Um, and if we go ne negative in any of the factors, then okay, let's let's rethink the project. Let's, we're still under soft contract. We can drop it. No, it's, it's too much of a risk. Uh, so that was the other step. Well, no, I, I was just going to say there, there's really there, you said some really good stuff there because um, you know um, I think a, a lot of our listeners, despite their industry, they have these complicated processes, and it's their job uh, to dial them down uh, and do their own risk assessment, but then deliver it to a potential client um, in a way that actually is thoughtful of their time, but also um, you know uh, getting the right. Um, back and forth. So um, I'd love to dig into kind of your communication strategy within your process, because I think that that's applicable to anybody, regardless of, of industry, uh, especially people that have a more complicated um, risk assessment style, you know, business. So how do, with all of that data, and hours of, you know, uh, you know, research and, and hours of you doing your due diligence, how do you dial that in and make sure that your client along the way knows you're working on it, knows the status of what you're working on? I mean, are there any strategies or, you know, tips that um, that you've found within that uh, in terms of client communication that are really effective? Yeah, um, I, I learned it the hard way. <laughs> the hard way is 
when they're out of the loop, um, they get more nervous for sure. Mm. And, uh, and they start asking questions, annoying questions that you like, come on, really? And, and then I realized, oh, they're asking these questions and they're out of the loop and they're getting nervous because I haven't communicated that to them. And one of the first things we like to do and for them to, to understand we're working on it is to send them a questionnaire and then ask follow-up questions of that questionnaire. So that's, that's one step. Second step is, well, in the, in the first phase is a bit quick. So we're talking about a two week span, more or less. So it's pretty sure. quick, a lot of communication. But later on the design phase is where we were actually designing the house and schematic design. And on the development, which is where we uh, lose a bit more control of the whole process. Uh, we've learned that a simple weekly update email every single Monday is more than enough. So we have a template, we just copy and paste, change, change the information that we need, s tell them what, what the project is up to this week, what, what are we gonna do this the upcoming week, or what is more to the future, and anything that we need for them, we also put there. And there are very few occasions we had to say, hey, we have no updates and we don't have anything planned for your project this week. And they still appreciate that because they, they know that you're not going to work then. Maybe it's going to be in the future, but they already, they just knowing about it. I feel, uh, I've heard from them that they feel better. I love, I love, I love that because, you know, if I can kind of summarize what you're saying is show your work, even if that work is, hey, nothing for this week, yeah, show your work, right? Um, you know, and we make business comparisons all day long. It's funny that you bring, you bring this up because we were actually talking about this internally for um, the podcast uh, production side of our network where we're like, guys, it's a pizza tracker. Everybody knows what a pizza <laughs> tracker is, right? You know, you order your pizza and, and it'll tell you. It's like it's in the oven. Yeah. Uh, now they're boxing it up. It's the driver has it right. Uh, you know, Brian's headed your way. Right. Um, and it's, it can be automated, right? You can, you can, in a, but you have to build a cadence of communication to update your clients, especially the, like the longer your production cycle or sales cycle is, or service cycle is the more important that cadence is, you know, to I make sure that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I I love that you guys have you know built in that Monday expectation, and they right. send it even if there's nothing there. Nothing, yeah, yeah, and awesome. uh, actually, the pizza track is not a bad idea, like graphically. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a visual. Well, and we um, so and I, I'm a big tech guy, so I could I could we can nerd out on that. But you know, I mean, look at your CRM, look at your. Uh, work mm -hmm. management system there you could probably automate some emails with a checklist where every time all of those checks are done it just sends out a templated email that says hey here's all the things we did for you this week most of the time it's not a complicated uh thing to build yeah. um but you're, you're exactly right the anxiety that comes from your clients if they're just in the dark they'll they'll, they'll generate questions for you uh and, yeah. and it's probably stuff that isn't even shouldn't even be a concern of theirs, but they're just asking the question because they don't know what else to ask. Yeah, and and, and the other part is in the permitting phase, which takes forever. Um, we we put them there like, hey, the, we got this whole, 
this, this, and this discipline approved already. This other one, it has some smaller comments. This one is still in review. So, so you're on, they're in the loop all the time. And, and right. When the, when we hit the milestone, then that's a different email. It's not the same one. It's a, right. It's a, you know, a special one with the, with the latest plans and the, um, more information and, and just showing that we're happy we reached the next milestone. <laughs> well, and I, you know, but I'm used to like a 30 day uh, closing cycle for, uh, for right. typical uh, residential real estate and maybe 60 for commercial. But I mean, how long is your typical uh, cycle? It's got to be all over the board. Yeah. I mean, we got things that uh, last, I don't know, four months, like the fastest. And sometimes things get delayed because, you know, you have that neighbor that is challenging everything and two years, two years of permitting. That's, that's I think that's the that's, worst one we have, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I know there's probably people listening. They're like two years. That sounds, you know, uh, <laughs> crazy for yeah, them if a, they're used to like. It is. It is crazy. <laughs> and, and, and it's a, a special exception. But a typical thing is eight months to 10 months. But still, it's it's not a pizza delivery or it's, it's a month thing. You know, seasons go by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm sure that, you know, and, and I've dealt with permits. We won't get into that conversation. And hearings and, and talking with, uh, you know, local government and stuff. Um, so, so that's a whole new challenge, but, um, but yeah, you know, as we said before, you know, um, that communication, I love your Monday update and, and I love the fact that you're updating regardless of, of if you did something or, uh, or anything like that, that's awesome. So, um, well, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to kind of look towards the future, you know, because you've had a, uh, you know, you've had a fascinating story up to this point and, you know, you're, you're in a, a really uh, competitive field and doing things in a big way. Um, what do you, you know, what are your goals for MIK in the future? Where, where do you, where do you see your business evolving? Um, um, how, you know, um, how do you expect it to change in the coming years? That's a very interesting question. Um, we actually have that uh, very thought, um, at least at least a goal. Not sure how we're going to get there, but. Um, we we do want to be a we call it a client free firm by mm. 2030 and what we mean by that is not does it doesn't mean that we're not we're going to close our doors and and not let one not, not let anyone in again but what we mean about that is to be a self-made self-developer uh how do you call it a self um forgot the, the the exact wording what, what we have written down but uh to to develop our own projects that's that's what we mean by that so we were gonna self do our projects and we have a, a strategic uh, partnership with a general contractor and uh and a, and a developer so the developer brings in the opportunities and projects we design them the, the builder builds them and and we have like that small association. Now, what we want with that is, is and for 2024, we already have committed like 10 bigger projects that were like two, two of them in the past year. We're gonna do 10 of them this year. Uh, so now we're preparing ourselves and embracing ourselves to, to work with that production. Uh, 
and uh, and later on eventually have enough capital and uh, and financial uh, you know leverage to be able to do our own project hopefully with a waterfront in Miami which are the best projects <laughs> I, but, I can imagine um, I can imagine that'd be yeah. fantastic it'd be probably be a lot of fun for you too oh um, absolutely so, so, so it sound, sounds like you're you know kind of taking um, what a lot of industries um, outside of architecture has done in, in, in looking at um, different steps that are uh, third party or other industries and trying to connect those so that you're more of a one-stop shop. Am I, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, that is, that is the right way to see it. I think because uh, well, today we, we are open to more investors and developers and we're trying to sell it like a one-stop shop. You know, from the from the purchasing to the sale, which involves awesome. a lot of people, by the way. But uh. yeah, that's a that's that is a that is a um, a machine with a lot of gears, for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, you know, look, I, I I know we could we could talk business all day long. We are getting a little closer, uh, you know, to our time. So I want to you know I want to give you an opportunity to um, share. Um, Share something impactful with our audience. If if you had to pick one thing along your journey um, that you felt was most impactful and uh, to you either personally or professionally, uh, what would that one thing be? Impactful in in a in what way? Either um, it could be either uh, you know a mentor that said something to you. It could be you know a book that you read. It could be. Um, you know, um, something that you learn, but you know, what, what had the biggest impact on you personally or professionally to kind of, um, propel you forward in your business? The biggest thing that, and it's not all there, but I would say the most impactful decision I made was, uh, having a business coach on board. Hmm. That is because architecture school doesn't teach you business life teaches business. And yeah, I could have gone through that route, but, um, it would have been longer way longer uh the business coach today uh, doesn't tell you what to do it just gives you the tools to do your own goals and go through your own path and today i would say i'm still i'm i've been in my third year already almost finishing my third year with a with a business coach and i don't think i'm gonna uh leave right now because it's it's growing it's a it's a, there's a business book called uh, 10x is better than 2x and um, love that book yeah it, I feel like that sometimes you know it's hey and this and this and this aspect I've been growing 10 times and I want I'm ready to go into the next 10 times growth so I would say that is one of the for anyone who doesn't have a coach uh, business coach or any type of coach maybe um, I would say just try it at least. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, if you, um, and of course you're, I don't know if you did this intentionally, if you're trying to like, uh, you know, um, 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 you know, appeal to, to your audience, you know, cause I'm, a, I'm, I come from the coaching space as well, but, uh, but yeah, if you want to be good at something, you hire a coach, right? Uh, yeah. So great advice. Uh, uh, obviously I'm a little biased, but I, but, but you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's another perspective. It's another set of eyes. It's another angle. Uh, it's somebody that's there to, um, view your position and not necessarily tell you what to do, but as you said, give you the tools. 
that you need to, to to break through whatever barrier you're at. So love it. Well, um, it, it, Matias, it's been a um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and you know your insights into architecture, real estate, entrepreneurship. I know they'll be an inspiration to uh, to other people that are listening, and uh, you know for our listeners out there. Thank you guys for joining us again uh, for another for another business story. And you know if you um, if you enjoyed this and and uh, and that really resonated, make sure that you check out MIK Architecture. Um, you know check out the stuff they're doing in the Miami area and. Um, um, follow them uh, wherever wherever they need to be followed. We'll make sure we have some info in the show notes for you guys. Um, and just remember to do all the podcast stuff, of course. So like us, review us. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, the episode, um, and, you know, make sure you check out the other shows that we have on our network. We're part of the Small Business Delivered Network and smallbusinessdelivered.com. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to our amazing sponsor and our production team uh, here at Titan Media Works. Um, we, uh, we cover uh, a lot of stories on this show and they make it really easy uh, for us to have these conversations. So uh, if you need anything in terms of production or guest booking, make sure that uh, you, you reach out to us and we'll get you hooked up. So um, until next time, make sure you guys keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive. And no, and no matter how small your business is, I guarantee you, you have a big story to tell. Uh, we'll sign off for now and we'll see you uh, for our next uh, our next story on Small Business Chronicles. <laughs>